deeper down the rabbit hole. Saturday, 6 p.m., live in Toronto, Ontario, at the Queen City Curio Occult and Spiritual Store. Welcome. Welcome. This is the Queen City Curio and Apothecary Videocast. Also, deeper down the rabbit hole, we're like going into our seventh or tenth year. I don't even know. I don't want to keep track of it because it dates us too much. Makes us look a little too old, maybe. But yes, the podcast for ten years. We have a philosophy of basically doing live radio and all the problems that happens with live radio because it's more real. She gets said stuff happens on live radio. It's just more interesting than a real practice podcast. And eventually, like we keep telling everyone, working we'll get back on air. get on Toronto radio to actually have actually be on live radio again, where people will hear whatever comes out then, minus the FCC words that you cannot say. Well, you can't say on YouTube, but if you're tuning in on YouTube right now, live radio, live video cast. We don't edit this. We don't really edit the podcast after the fact, and we don't edit the YouTube, so it's a historical record of our interviews. And you get the transcripts. Us... That's right. You get the transcripts now, too. Thanks to our overlords that have now made it possible to do that cheap. Uh, I can't really say anything about our AI overlords because I literally write machine learning code for day in day, so I can't really say anything negative about our machine overlords that are going to take over soon, but that's okay. Because, you know, because I'm helping build them. So, you know, it is what it is. So, what do we have going on tomorrow? For the sponsors of this, we thank you from our heart tomorrow. Tomorrow, we got to how to cleanse crystals. And how right. to cleanse yourself with crystals. That'll be a bonus. So ba basic witchcraft classes that we offer for sponsors. Come on in. They're recorded. They're on Zoom. They're not on Zoom, too. You can physically come now, you know. Yeah, uh, so, it's a hybrid. Yeah. Although tomorrow we won't have access to our our shrines. We have a couple public shrines just to get, let people in. Those shrines are going to be shut down for a little bit because the building's doing some construction, but we'll pull them back out next week. So sorry about that. People are coming up over the weekend. Tomorrow, we apologize. We just found out about the building construction today. But if you want... If you want to work with your ancestors, you really need to. We have the shrine in a private place. We'll let you in and kind of work with it if you really came up here for that purpose. No problem. The shrine's still working. It's just basically not in the same spot for a couple of days. So we'll totally let you in. That was the announcements coming today. We're happy. On multiple occasions, we've tried to get author we have today on multiple occasions. Struggle with, with the fates of the world. Dragged. Kronos to his knees until finally, finally, we could schedule Matt today. Matt is wrote a couple books, but the one that people know him for is Psychic Witchcraft. you kind of known everywhere. You've probably heard his name. You probably know who he is. <laughs> he wrote a second to talk a little bit more about Mastery Magic, which is also really, really good. And we'll probably kind of mix and match some things, go backwards and forward yep. between the first book and second. The first book sort of doesn't quite lead into the second, but it kind of does a little bit and go from there. We'll take it yes. from there. So welcome so, to the show, sir. This, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, yeah, yeah. Mastering Magic is sort of the companion to Psychic Witch. I know Llewellyn like pitched it like that in their, their bio, but you can kind of start on either. And I tried to make it that way because I know how frustrating it is to 
pick up a book by an author and they're constantly referring to other books they wrote. <laughs> there we go, right there. Feature right there. So they, they work together, they're complementary. But I get asked a lot, which one should I start with? And either, Psychic Witch is very not tools focused. It's, it's more, um, to use the word loosely, it's more hermetic. It's more internal uh, kind of mental magic. And then mastering magic is the other side of that. So working with actual materia and tools and things of that nature. So what inspired you to write the mastering magic book? Well, honestly, it was always going to be written. It kind of started out as what was going to be in Psychic Witch, but because of word count, I had to focus the scope of Psychic Witch. So I was like, you know what, let's take out all the tools. Let's just focus on the mind. Uh, and so Mastery Magic was kind of always kind of there on the back burner uh, and just kind of seemed like the natural progression. One of the things that I tried to do with it too, aside from kind of sharing from my experience, because a lot of it is what I have learned that makes magic and spell successful. But I also wanted to bring in other voices, people that I respect in the community to contribute something, to kind of give people an idea of how other people do things as well. Cool, cool. So you said one is tool-based, one is more hermetically-based, being more on the eternal self. So from an absolute beginner standard, I mean, you could go either way, but what would be the different pathways if you're going, if you're completely new on this between your two books? If you had to choose one to start with, I would start with a psychic witch because, you know, while I do cover some of the like most necessary bits of psychic witch in a new way, I framed it as helping people with ADHD and aphantasia because that was the biggest feedback. Um, but I mean, for me, this stuff in psychic witch is essentially the battery that is going to make magic work. So when, when I teach people, I always start with, you know, control of the mind and control of energy and things of that nature before we move on to, you know, the, the fun things of witchcraft. When people think witchcraft, you know, all the, all the fun herbs and tools and candles and spells. Um, but yeah, psychic witch is probably what I would, kind of steer people to before mastering magic. But like I said, I tried to write it so that if you're jumping into mastering magic, you can still get out of the book what you need to get out of the book. So this is where it begins, where you do talk about journals a lot, <laughs> which Andrea and I love our journals because it keeps you accountable. We're so, big kind of journaling, actually. We love the journals. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to talk negatively about that. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a huge everyone that we teach in the, uh, everyone we teach in the store and that, that we have as students, they fight us on this all the time, but more like, no, <laughs> like we're what are those are spreadsheets, <laughs> journal spreadsheets or digital, like recordings of something, anything digital record, huge, huge, huge advocate of it actually. So. I know we're, not, we're also not in the popular crowd on that one either right now. <laughs> well, for, for me, it's, you know, you, you just touched on a key point, which is record keeping. And it's really hard to see what, what acts of magic have worked and why, 
without recording it because our memories are a little bit fallible when it comes to that. But do you also find like kind of like what we find is that people will also talk themselves out of results that otherwise happened. Like it clearly happened. Right. And in the moment they clearly recognize it, but then through the gaze of sort of forgetfulness and kind of say, well, that, that wasn't a result. And they clearly got the result. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Because a lot of times, you know, magic, when it does manifest, it is very normal feeling. It's very mundane. So it's really easy to, to not connect the dots that what you did and the result are connected. So I can definitely see that. So in terms of the journaling process, is there any tips? I know it sounds basic to ask that for people, but everyone kind of does it differently. So when you're saying use a notebook, how would you encourage people just beginning to kind of keep records? Um, so there's, there's lots of things to kind of keep in mind. It, so let's say that we're journaling for magic and not so much like psychic ability or anything like that. So with magic, I'm a big proponent of keeping track of the time. So, you know, the date, the moon phase, what was the moon in, what was the sun in, what was the time of day? I'm also really big on keeping track of what was your mood at that moment? You know, what was going on in your life? Just like a quick little thing, because those things affect our magic if we can't shed that before coming in. But, you know, I'll record other than the timing, I'll record, you know, what the spell was, what the, the intent was of the spell, what I did for the spell. And then I'll leave a little bit of room for uh, any notes when I come back to it. Uh, Cause I do that all the time, <laughs> you know, I'm going back and I'm writing like, oh, you know, like this worked because like, I see a pattern between these spells for this result with this thing that I did, or, you know, perhaps this didn't work because of X, Y, and Z, uh, you know, just essentially it's, it's, and, and I get in trouble for saying this, but I like to view it like science, you know, and you know, that's why I get in trouble because people are like, it's not science, but in terms of trying to, well, how do you get in trouble with that? Right. How do you get in trouble? Well, because then, you know, people are like, oh, well now it's jumping into pseudoscience. It's not a science, wait, wait. you know, and I'm even gonna, when you, get... I'm going to defend you for you, like <laughs> yeah. a scientific method can be used in any discipline, like any discipline whether it's magic or not. So like the people giving you slack, flack on that, like, no, like engineering principles and scientific methods can be applied to magic. I mean, that's like, we say that every show, but I feel like I have to personally defend you because I feel attacked myself. Now, if we said something like, due to the quantum entanglement between the right, physics yeah. of two things. Okay, yes. now that's getting the pseudoscience quantum physics that, okay, a quantum physicist might yell at us a little and say that that doesn't work cross after you get past one molecule. But when you're using the scientific method to record your results, that's, you're not making those any claims that people should get angry about. Like, right. It's not right. Yeah. I mean, like people, people do though. And it's funny because I do avoid, you know, talking about like, anything quantum physics or anything that's kind of fringe science. Anytime I reference science, which is more in psychic witch than mastering magic, you know, I'm actually like referencing studies and referencing papers. And that was probably the worst part of writing psychic witch was going through all the like medical and scientific like journals. Cause I'm not trained as 
you know, a scientist, I'm trained as a witch. But I did get a really good compliment recently. I was at the Between the World Sacred Space event in Delaware that Eva Dominguez Jr. and his people put on. And I presented, and then afterwards, I had this guy come up to me and he's like, hey, I was at your talk. I'm a neuroscientist. And I was like, oh shit, <laughs> right? I was like, he's about to school me on something. And I was like, oh, I'm not. And he's like, no, it was really good. Like I, you know, I was pleasantly surprised. So I was like, okay, well, if I got this dude's like, you know, thumbs up, then I feel a little bit, bit better about it. But yeah, in terms of the scientific method, that's absolutely, you know, in terms of like recording. Yeah. I mean, I, cause I mean, that's just, you know, whether you want to call it journaling or like grimoiring, you know, you know, like John D had his records, you know. Yeah. Alchemists had their records. Like it's Alistair just Crowley it, had Crowley yeah. had his records. Alchemists have their records. Everyone has their records. Um, you know, I kind of find that interesting that that's the point you're getting pushback on. Right. Because right. yeah. that's the point at which, from my point of view, having like hands on chaos magic. I literally said that 15 years ago now at this point. You've got to do this, otherwise it's just gonna be wishful thinking. But it's worse than that. Like, like there's so many studies in psychology of witnesses, like witnesses in court that are completely unreliable because memory is totally unreliable in every con every possible imaginable way. Our memories can be tricked or create or we create the memories or we create the memories on the fly, maybe based on what we think should be there. It's just completely impermeable and every study is backing this up that memory is the worst possible evidence for any sort of uh, sort of what you're going to do because what your memory is going to be a reflection of is basically whatever your mindset is when you look at back in the past like if you feel good about your magic that day well then your magic worked you know if you felt like stuff's not going your way then none of your magic works that's the way of memory will look except the journal doesn't lie because it's in writing right or, Right. As long as you're honest, <laughs> as long as you're honest. Right. Like if you're yeah. honest in the journal, like you go back. That's yeah. something I mean, that I find with like new people as well, too, is they want to like exaggerate everything when recording their stuff or talking about their stuff. And I'm, I'm like the person that's like, you know, just be honest. If you want your magic to get better, you have to be honest about it. Well, they, I think this is a great point. I think people want their magic to work. They really do. And I think what we're getting at is this magic is a process that you have to learn. Like, so it's not like, it's not like you're, you might get some beginner luck. Like that's true. A lot of people do get first couple spells, bazam, bazam, but then not, not quite so as much because they have to get all these basics down, they have to journaling down. Even if you fail and something interesting happens, that's pretty good, right? Like, like it's a learning lesson. Yeah. It's a learning lesson. Like, okay. So the lights flickered. But you didn't quite get the results that you wanted. So what? Something so, happened. Something that you recorded happened. It was interesting. Uh, and I think that that's you're right. You know, if you're going to exaggerate, try to fit the results in the journal, then you're getting past the point of a journal. If, if all that happens is that light flick flickers, okay, maybe you didn't quite get the result. But then we get to the whole thing, I think, which a lot of uh, the exercises in, in mastering witchcrafts are getting to is like, well, okay. So you didn't get what you want, but then maybe we got to go back to, you know, planetary hours, or maybe we got to go back to your shadow, or maybe you got to do some more meditation because what you're asking for, you didn't really want. Yes, no. that is, that is a 
big, big thing. And I think that's where will comes in. Because I think a lot of people think they know what they want or they want it on a surface level, but deep down there's something that that's blocking them towards it. And that's where that shadow stuff comes in. I know a lot of people on the fence, you know, they're very divided about Jung. I'm very big on Jung. And I think Jung actually, like when you actually read his stuff, like he's not contradicting like the older occultists at all. Um, no. You know, like if you have like issues where you don't feel like you deserve money or you don't feel like you deserve the relationship or you, you know, X, Y, and Z, then you're fighting against yourself. You're divided against yourself and you need all of your parts together to get the magic to work. Right. And it, people often kind of like to go to the traumatic principles, just their sphere of availability isn't there for what they're asking for. Like, you know, you know, somebody who says, I want to be a millionaire tomorrow. Okay. Or you, I want to be a millionaire. What are you willing to do for that? Like, I'm doing magic. Yeah, but are you doing to make that, to to make it happen? Like, not just the magic. Like, you know, if there's no, if you don't have a YouTube channel, at least, uh, how are you going to make it big as a YouTube star? Right. Like. <laughs> right. 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 Like, and I, I think I, uh, I I talk about that a little bit in different terms in the book. I talk about enchantable goals. And if something is realistically enchantable or not realistically enchantable, so like, even if it's not the action, but it's the goal. So if you're like, you know, oh, I want, you know, a lover that looks just like this and has this personality and drives this car and has this occupation, you know, you're like slimming down what there is. Like, they may not even be in your state or your country, you know. So I'm really, and they, may, they may not exist. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And so like, if there's not a, a target that's realistic for your magic to hit on, one of the things that I did learn from studying under Jason Miller for a bit was I like his idea of strategic sorcery of like, okay, we have the big goal and now let's break it down into smaller goals to work there magically so that the big goal is enchantable. So, you know, and that could be even like, you know, moving to a city where there's a lot of people with that occupation or like, you know, whatever. Um, Which again, like if you're not really confident in your magic, that's a huge ask. Um, but the flip side of that is you could do the magic and you'd be forced to move to another city without actually having necessarily wanted to per se as part of the magic process because the magic working you just can't see it because it's got to go through a whole bunch of steps before you can actually get the final product so all of a sudden you move from you know houston to seattle and oh look behold there's all these people now in seattle that you just kind of figured out in the right career and boom boom yeah. and then finally it happens but the getting there might not be too comfortable. Yeah. And one of the sayings that Lori Cabot used to always say is like, if you do a love spell, but you're not getting off your ass out of, you know, like if you just stay on the couch 24 seven, you know, like Prince Charming is not going to bust through the wall. Like you're, you know, you their action is a big part of magic. And Crowley was really big on that as well. Like his, I mean, he has his famous definition of magic, but then he has another definition of magic, which is essentially just anything that uses will in general. So it's like even the yeah, most mundane the, the thing. Actual, the actual statement is, is the art and science 
of action under will or basically any willful action that is yeah. done yeah that's so, so that's his theme. Yeah, yeah that's, that's his, his but his it means theme. basically what you're saying is like any action can be a magical act if it's done with intention and will in a directed yes. manner yeah like i think in one of his books he even uses like the the example of going to the grocery store as an act of yeah. magic you know and I think that kind of ties into my bigger idea, which uh, kind of threads this all together, which is that magic doesn't end just in the spell. You know, magic is something that you weave through your life. And, you know, if your life, just like parts of yourself need to be in alignment for that spell to manifest, if parts of your life aren't aligned, if you're not going out, if you're doing a spell to manifest a job but you're not going out and putting applications you know your life is not in alignment with your magic um, well and actually it could be a lot more than that that's the easy like kind of alignment piece obviously like you have to if you apply for a job you you got to do you got to do the resumes but it could involve even more steps in that like like you apply for a job it could be like you get the feedback from with your resumes and fix your resumes or you get the feedback from the interview and then practice interviewing with career counselor or you know like you know you're publishing blog posts within a niche topic that is for what you actually want to be doing like there's a whole bunch of steps that could be added to this job process that right. you know as you get feedback you kind of have to put together the plan but it's not just the magic now the magic might make things happen faster and it might the right people step in at the right time to encourage you but right if you're not doing any of these things if your actions in the in your feet are not aligned with your actions in your head or the actions of the spirit as in your magic you're gonna go nowhere it's gonna just sit there i mean i right. think that's because the subconscious mind just basically says you're not serious about that at that time and just it doesn't allow the changes to come in because you're not doing anything about it. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, it's very much like you can lead a horse to water, right? But you can't make it drink. And we're essentially the horse in that metaphor. So if we've done the magic and it like, you know, it can guide us and it can open those opportunities. And, you know, I don't want to also say that like magic can't do what I would, I mean, I don't have a better word, but miraculous things. But that's not the norm. It's not the norm for things to be like, feel like a miracle when they happen. Usually there's, there's the footwork, like you're saying, put in. Yeah, I think even when the miraculous does seem to happen, not, I'm not unfamiliar with that, but it's still, there's a whole bunch of story that went into that, that people don't see, you know, you know, like you might get a miraculous healing result by going, I coming to our store, right? We might do a miraculous healing. But still, at some point, you had to come to the healing, right? Like, there's a whole bunch of steps that happened even before the miraculous happens, right? Like, you know, you know, and if you're doing magic, you get a miraculous result. You still probably had all this prep work that went into it to get yourself ready, you know, before that miraculous result happened. It's not like it's it's not happening in, in a narrative void. It's there's a whole... There's a whole story that leads up to the miraculous uh, before it even happens, like in most cases. Uh, 
now that might be it's still it's still great to see that but you're absolutely right i still think it doesn't doesn't get past the whole stuff that we're talking about like all these steps had to happen and probably well, if and, like a healing is oh go ahead go ahead no i mean i just i think that's why like you look at like old guard occultism and like occultists in the past and you know they were very big on like the the alchemical metaphor of the great work and doing the great work and i think that's you know part of it because the great work should reach every aspect of our lives you know not just psychologically but like in terms of action so one of the things that like i even wrote in mastering magic which i i butt heads with people on is you know there's come across a lot of cultists that are like magic has nothing to do with psychology psychology shouldn't have anything to do with magic and i strongly strongly disagree who says uh, that i know I heard that <laughs> the maybe internet <laughs> maybe i just don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm not on TikTok enough i guess apparently oh it's facebook actually facebook. it's the older how no okay i guess if you're a classic ceremonial magician and you you think that's true you're well, still wrong even then, but... so 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 yes i get that from ceremonial magicians and i'm like but did you read the ceremonial magicians book where they're talking about psychology and the mind and like getting your shit together you know because like 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 i said you know i i would teach or i would refer psychic witch before mastery magic because it starts with the mind and i mean that's that's psychology i'm still amazed that you get pushback that yeah particularly yeah um is it basically the pushback basically that the the magic works you know if you do it classically by the book regardless of your psychological state i mean there did i know a lot of these a lot of them will deny the psychological or belief argument about that which obviously i'm on one side of that book on chaos magic but i mean (laughs) but I, i mean but I mean, is that the argument? Because it cannot say that magic doesn't. If you're saying magic has no state of consciousness change, I can't even see what you're doing. Right, right. That's part of it. Another one is there's a big backlash to anything Carl Jung based on a misunderstanding of Carl Jung from even even Jungians. So even Jungians are kind of in two camps usually. Either you have the more academic ones that want to water Jung down and cherry pick quotes where he's like, oh, it's all in the mind, it's all psyche. Or you have people that aren't academic that take that and then sort of disseminate that. Like even Carl Jung like was really big in his writings. You know, yes, he says that like, for example, the archetypes are in our head. Yes, you know, spirits, magic, stuff like that is in our heads. But he also clarifies that everything is in our heads he had a very hermetic approach like reality is in our head like since we can't measure these things quantifiably externally through science the only way that we can discuss them and be taken seriously in this field is by talking about how our mind like perceives it you know so some people take that as like taking the view of like him being like oh it's not real it's just sort of like a a psychological thing like a self-help i don't know like their argument doesn't hold up to me but that tends to be the sort of backlash that i i come across so a lot of there's a lot of ceremonial magicians that would agree with those statements i mean i think lon model said 
it's all in your head just your head is so much bigger than you you know like yes one of the things that actually helped me understand because i think i have all of crowley's books now and I, i have a good chunk of carl jung's but actually reading them back and forth is helping me to understand the other because I really think they're exploring the same thing, but through kind of different lenses. And it's interesting because they even draw on the same material. They draw on the same alchemical texts. They draw on like, you know, the Chaldean oracles and Neoplatonism. And, you know, it's, it's also, and they even had, and this is what I find the most fascinating because of the Red Book, which was published after Jung's death. We also have the parallel of Eowas and Philemon. And so this entity that came to both of them, they both had the same struggle with the entity of, you know, is this my higher self or are you external to me? Are you, are you in my psyche or out? And it's really interesting to see, you know, that they both kind of battled with grappling with that and that their work seems to be sort of headed in the same direction through different avenues of exploration. So to hit another controversial part of the book that you've even stated in your book is planetary hours and your disagreement with White Smith. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't think that, I mean, I guess you, so if you see planetary hours as something that's purely like sympathetic magic of, I give this meaning, you know, and therefore it has meaning, Uh, versus, you know, that this is a quote-unquote, you know, magical science occurring, more astrological, then I think that relying on the clock for planetary hours doesn't make sense. I think that, you know, sunrise to sunset makes a lot more sense in terms of a day. So, I mean, I have a lot of disagreements with weight. I tend to actually side more with Crowley when, because Crowley was the one who tore apart Waite, which actually feels great when you read Waite's writings, because he tears everyone apart and like is just so condescending to like all these people that influenced him. Wait, wait, wait. So like to see Crowley, Sweet internet witch wars. I know. Yes, yes. It's like... Uh, Witch wars, but you don't find out until a book is published. <laughs> kind of witch wars. You know, it's not like a, a Facebook post. You know you're having a witch war after when someone oh, makes right. a point of ripping you a new one in, in their book that's published five years later or two years well, later. Well, response. I think, I think Crowley had a particular bone to pick with him, though, because... One of the people wait like to pick apart and talk about how he was wrong was Eliphas Levi. He did that all the time, which is interesting because like a lot of his material comes from Eliphas Levi and he's clear about that. But I think because Crowley genuinely believed he was the reincarnation of Eliphas Levi, I think he took kind of a personal, you know, pleasure of like, you know, talking shit about a wait. Because, yeah, I know when you start to talk about time zone differences, a lot of people usually would be like, no, it has to be exactly this. But what happens if you're a different time zone? How that humorous when I was reading that. I was like, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Because my magic, I mean, I as my base word, my base practice, 
is witchcraft. And so there is that natural element to it. So it makes a lot more sense for me and my magic and my logic of magic to base it on like our our relationship to the sun versus like what a digital clock says and then the leap year and like, you know, not leap year, but like, you know, setting the clocks forward and then setting the clocks back and, you know. So when it comes to- You know, there's apps to, there's apps now to actually just- Oh yeah, there is, there is. That yeah. calculates it from sunlight to sundown. It gives you the exact, I mean, I have it on my phone. I mean, so you yes. don't even have to figure actually. it out. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't ever calculate it by hand or look up the newspapers. I use the apps. Uh, but when I was training with Christopher Penzak, he forced us <laughs> as part of the curriculum to learn how to do it by hand and calculate it. And I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad that I did. You know, I got something out of that, but am I going to use it? It's sort of like my, my high school teacher that was like, oh, you'll never have a calculator in your pocket at all times. And then like, you know, I have a calculator and my smartphone at all times. So, but I'm glad that I know how to do the math that I pull the calculator out to do, to do quicker. So in Mastering Witchcraft, there's a whole bunch of spells. We should, we should yeah. talk about that a little, a lot of spells. And they kind of, yeah, they kind of move, a lot of the spells move you forward on different aspects. Is there a spell that you liked when you wrote it? You're like, yeah. This is one of my favorite ones in this right now. This like, is a this, this, this real this like you know as an author you have some that you're like this is good this is good there's some you're like oh I really love this. Let me let me look through it real quick. Let me see if I can. Hmm. No, no. I tend to actually have liked other people's spells more than mine when they came in. One of the things that I did like that I felt a little proud of was my version of the solar adorations to kind of, you know, make it more applicable to the average person, as opposed to a Thelemite working with comedic or Egyptian deities. And then also drive in the point that Aleister Crowley talks about in his writings, but isn't apparent in the actual solar adoration in Liberesh you know, which is the whole idea that you're kind of attuning yourself to the sun as on a, a, a sort of a literal magical level to kind of energize you, but more as a uh, daily meditation on the impermanence of life and the eternity of the soul. So I tried to kind of drive that into the practice a little bit more. So I was really, I was really proud of what I came up with for that. Nice, nice, nice. I think the favorite spell that I read here is this one. This one, I was like, yes, the spell oh, soul the inspiration, the muses. So maybe we could talk about that because I thought that was this is a pretty cool, cool spell. I think yeah, people underestimate how <laughs> recycled. All right, yeah, so that was originally for my husband. He runs an event called the Official Witches Sabbath. And that was one of the things that I wrote for that. And then like two years later, I put it in Mastery Magic just because I enjoyed the working so much. Nice. So it's, it's battle tested too, on top of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. If there's anything that I wrote for a spell or a working, like I've test ran it. I make sure that it works. 
which, you know, sometimes, I mean, especially in the world of witchcraft, like, you know, I'll be reading books and I'll be like, have you, has this person ever actually like done this and like with results, you know, which is, which is a judgment and maybe they have, but I, sometimes I question that. Sometimes on the show, we'll ask them if they tried that. We have. <laughs> we have, we have actually asked that. Like, I think there was one show where someone was talking about possessions. We're like, you know, uh, I'm a voodoo priest. This isn't quite sound. <laughs> quite, yes. Quite right. So have you ever gotten possessed by the entities you're talking about when you're talking about possession? Because it just doesn't match my personal experience. And they actually said on air, no, no. Yeah. Like said on air, nope, I haven't done this. Well, well, at least they were honest about that. This particular spell, because we go back to Rite of Soul Inspiration, I think people underestimate how much inspiration actually has an impact on magic. But since you actually did it in an event, how did it affect people? Like, how were their lives different? You know, I did not follow up on them. <laughs> the well, how only, was your um, life different then? How was your life? Yes, or how so was your the only anecdotal evidence I have is for myself. So after I do this working, may not be right away, you know, it could be like a couple days later or something like that. I just have, I, like, I'm struck with epiphanies of ideas of like projects of, I want to do this. And what's really funny is, so I don't know if you're familiar with her, my friend, Laura Tempest-Zacroft, she's an artist and an author as well. She has a saying that I love, which is that the muses are slutty. And what she means by that is that they'll often approach different people at the same time. And if you don't act on that, it'll be fulfilled through someone else. Uh, so I try really hard anytime I get that kind of inspiration to kind of like figure out, well, what is the thing I want to do the most? And then ride that current. With the muses, it's interesting because as spirits, I don't sense them as much as like concrete spirits, like you would a spirit. They do kind of feel more like an inspiration. Nemocene, as I, I feel as an entity, their mother. And I put an emphasis on her as well in that. Um, because, you know, goddess of memory and goddess of, you know, mind. And then there's also like connections with her and the idea of a mind palace, which I think is like the great ancestor of like a lot of this like inner plane work of like inner temples and sort of internal bases of power. Is the mind, the mind palace technology, which yeah. yeah, sort of, I thought that also derived from some medieval grimoires on astral work, actually. No, no, it's older. So I tell the story, and I don't remember the exact person's name, but it happened at a Roman banquet. And there's different versions of the story, but a catastrophe happened and it burnt up. And the bodies were so destroyed beyond recognition that when they went through, they had trouble identifying who who was who. But one of the survivors that like coined the idea, like was able to identify who was who by running in their mind and seeing who sat where. So then he took that and made that like a technique for memorization. And then, you know, like it was built from there through the ages. But yeah, that's uh, when I think of mind palaces, I think of Sherlock from the BBC Sherlock. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not. That's where my mind always goes. 
Yeah, no, given my experience of memory palaces, because I do use them a lot, there is a point where there is, feels like it actually is talking about astral stuff, and then you're just oh, yeah. mapping it. Absolutely. But, like, you know, like, I think that's imagination in general. Like, I think our imagination, and then I would also say our dreamscape is sort of our own personal bubble of the astral, you know, which is why I think it's such a good launching pad into astral exploration, I guess, would be the word I would say. Get the inner mapped out and then, then dive the in. Builder. Yeah. You know what? That goes back to the start of the show, right? If you're going to map out the yeah, inner world, you kind of need a journal. That's, you know, flashback. It's all here. here. It's all here. So, Matt, you are kind of like, you're kind of in the everyone wants to have you so what events do you kind of have i'm coming up no like they want you at your event and stuff like that that's sort of what i meant by that like, like, yeah <laughs> like uh so how many events do you have going on how many what i'm sorry what upcoming events, events do you have coming up um so the ones that are confirmed that i can think of on the top of my head is i will be at temple fest late summer which is in New Hampshire, that's with the Temple of Witchcraft. So I'll be teaching there. Um, do I have anything else? Uh, I just feel like I got done doing a bunch of events. <laughs> so that's the only one I can really think of off the top of my head. But I usually keep people informed with what's coming up, my social media and stuff. Which we'll have links to. We'll have links to the page for the show. Uh, if you have any, we'd love to have you come back too, like when you get your next book done. Yeah. Which I don't know if it's in the works or not. Is it in the works? It is. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we'd love to have you come back. Do you have a working title? Can we give a secret? No. So this is my first book. I don't have a working title. So, but I'm also, since like the manuscript isn't like finished, finished, I'm also, you know, I treat it like an act of magic. So it's very energy. Those conversations about it till, the, till it's revealed. Until yes, it's the last page. And then you can be like, okay, now I can talk. Yes. Or once I get the, the, the cover is usually when I feel like, okay, like, like it's, it's begun. We can talk about this it. is right now. The journey of kids. Now it's some, I got it. I got it. Because so. now there's not shit. Anyone's intention or magic or will can really <laughs> do to at least stop it from being created. So, yeah. Well, that's it's already created. Itself, isn't it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> other people stopping other people writing books. That would be a show in itself. That yeah, well, you know, it, it's a thing. <laughs> I would love to be back, though. So when my next book comes out, definitely hit me up. I would love to come back and chat with you. We'd love, love to have you. I hope you had a, a good time. So before we go, because we don't want the recording to screw up, now for sponsors, we, we talked about what we're doing next weekend, but what's our schedule for people who are sponsors who actually keep the lights on for us? Well, the schedule is we are moving everything Sunday, 6 p.m., so it's easy. That's rituals. That's your workshops every week. We got all scheduled out. So after the How to Cleanse the Crystals workshop tomorrow, we got a ritual the week after with Wang Gong. Ritual protection. Nothing like a protection ritual with a war god. 
so that we got that coming up and then we got uh, crystals to attract love workshop we have a money draw ritual we got a bunch of things and then we start uh, pushing i think i'm doing the money draw ritual aren't i'm doing the money draw ritual, right? usually got, i do the money spells that you do that you do and that basically don't we have a zodkel ritual too yes we have herbs for money and then we were talking about putting the zodkel later in so yes we got angel jupiter right angel, angel jupiter and then, of course, starting July 1st, what's happening, Zach? All 72 go Asia for the next three years with our friend Stephanie O'Colony. And we got those rituals with Semaphorath or Semaphorish. I can't pronounce it. But either way, it's the names of God on top of the demons. So, Well, they're going to be separate rituals, okay? They're not yeah. going to do it at the same time. People are wrong impression. But, yes, we're going to do all 72 names of God and then do all 72 goisha for the next couple years as a kind of store uh because we actually do magic here it's not like we just talk about magic so we're like we're gonna actually summon them all and we just committed to our other friend azure flame from alberta he's gonna make us the 72 seals which again is going to be part of the store library so we have a full library here of which matt's book for sponsors you can come and check these books out from our library. But if you don't, not a sponsor, you could just come here and read them. We're gonna have, we have tea available for purchase. We have a made from all the herbs that we do. We have a tea master that is coming on board and, and she's great at making teas and we can, can come and have a cup of tea and just read. And you don't even have to be a sponsor. But if you are a sponsor, you can actually check these books out of the library. And, and then if you keep it too long, we're gonna bug you to buy it. Because that's the point, right? So it'll be like, go buy his book. Go buy Matt's book already, right? You had it like two weeks. You know if you like it already, buy it. Yeah. Um, and we can get those books for you. But the Goetic Seals that we're having custom made from Azure Flame out in Alberta, they're going to be available for people to use, just like the other temples and other the other altars that we have for people. The Goetic Seals and the Shema Forest stuff will be available that if you should want to go out in the hall or use it, you can kind of do that. Obviously, we can't let you take that home. But you can go and use it if you want to. Do a little bit of work. Perfectly, we have a little space for that. So perfectly okay. That's part of our commitment to the greater magical kind of a digest or whatever you want to call it of, of Toronto to develop and have the best possible magical environment for everyone in Toronto. So stop by. If Matt, if you're ever in Toronto, we'd love to have you come by our store. We'll I'd have workshops and you know, like do some crazy magic here in the <laughs> store. Fun times. So we'd love to have you come in if you're ever in Toronto or if there's a big convention in Toronto or if we're throwing a big convention in Toronto, which could happen. We'd, we'd love to invite you if we could get you there. Sounds great. Yeah. If I'm ever in Toronto, I'm definitely going to at least run into your store and check it out and say hi if not do a workshop or a ritual like you said that would be awesome we'd love to have you we'd love to have you and that said as everyone as we say every week stay healthy and safe and well and we will see you next week at deeper down at 6 p.m live radio deeper down the rabbit hole is sponsored by the queen city curio and apothecary in Toronto, Ontario, proudly in East Chinatown.
Our store is at 607 Gerard Street East, Unit 401. Just take the elevator up to the fourth floor and we're right there. We carry the finest spiritual goods for all spiritual paths. Whatever you are into, we can help Check out our full public library of occult materials with over a thousand books. Accessible anytime the store is open. Check us out online at queencitycurio.ca. Be sure to leave a wish at our wish shrine right outside our door. You never know, it may just come to pass.